Welcome to Another Race, a podcast brought to you by FCA Endurance, where our goal is to unite, equip, and encourage Christian endurance athletes in their mission to see the world change for Christ through their local huddles and across the globe. We exist to inspire each other, to share in our victories as well as our defeats, not just in our competitions, but in our walk with Christ. I'm your host, Andy Peterson. Join me as I interview FCA Endurance teammates to get their thoughts and ideas on how they run with Endurance, the race set before them. I've been involved in this ministry at the local level for over 10 years and have previously received encouragement from many teammates across the nation. And I would like to see you, the podcast listener and subscriber, receive the same encouragement. Maybe you want to start your own huddle but don't know where to begin. Or maybe you're a believer who wants to get in shape run a 5K, or do a sprint try for the first time. Or maybe you want to see the world be changed for Christ and want to join us in our kingdom-building efforts as we press beyond evangelism into discipleship and beyond the race course into the world. Well, we are here for you, and we hope to touch on all of these issues, questions, and more. And with me today is Chris Anderson, one of the few men God used to make FCA endurance a reality. So we're planning to talk about those humble and potentially controversial beginnings and move into and move into what Chris is doing now in FCA. So welcome Chris and before we get into the FCA origin story, tell us about how you became a believer. It is my understanding that FCA had a role. Is that true? Yeah, no, that that is true. And Andy, uh, as I get into that, I'll just start by saying thank you so much for having me on. Uh, for your faithful ministry, certainly including this podcast, a uh, longtime teammate, huddle member, all those things. So super grateful for you and uh, glad to be here. And so uh, FCA has, God has worked through that ministry in tremendous ways in my life. And so think about my salvation story. Uh, I grew up out in Western South Dakota, out in the Black Hills, and was exposed to Christianity as a fairly young child, primarily through my extended family. And I can remember being a, an eight-year-old kid, made the best decision I could um, with a pretty significant lack of understanding. But I, I knew what the Bible was, knew who Jesus was. I knew I definitely wanted to go to heaven, didn't want to go to hell. And so make that decision. And so now I'm a Christian, but, but honestly, I just lived my life for me. And so did that uh, through most of my uh, younger years and then get into high school. And not unlike, uh, well, maybe every high school student, just battling with identity, right? Who am I? Why am I here? And back then, I, I didn't have the awareness to know. But I, looking back, it's clear, right? I was longing to be loved. I was really longing to be respected by my peers. And I wanted to be desired by the opposite gender, right? So that's just you know, how it was in high school. And again, as, as students are experiencing that, we're, we're constantly trying to figure out how do I fill those, those needs? How do I fill those holes? And so all these cliques and groups develop. And uh, for myself, how I filled that hole was by performance. I thought, hey, if I could just do enough, people would love me, people would respect me, the opposite gender would desire me, and, uh, but, but, but you could never do enough, right? And in God's mercy, he gave me some successes, and uh, but they were always short-lived. And so I'm going through life as a high school student, massively insecure and arrogant. And uh, basically, I was an idiot. Uh, but that's who I was. And so as I'm developing this performance mentality uh, in the arts and in academics, athletics was the most important thing to me and football specifically. 
was the most important thing to me. And uh, frankly, I, I worshipped it. I, that was that was my idol. Now, I wasn't great at it, but it was the most important thing to me. And so that's just kind of how I, I lived my life. Well, as a junior in high school, uh, my freshman PE teacher, Nick Hyman, I was so grateful for him. He ended up inviting me to FCA. And I'd never heard of it before. I'm not sure if it was brand new or I just was oblivious, but he invited me to go. And I thought, you know what? I'd love to go. Uh, you know, I thought my friends are going to be there. It's going to look great on those scholarship applications. And in my arrogant mind, I thought I was one of the best Christians in my high school. Uh, not really trying to follow Jesus, not trying to help anybody else follow Jesus, but, uh, you know, all American boy, right? I didn't drink. I didn't cuss, I didn't cheat on tests, I wasn't over promiscuous, right? Whatever this is, right? So I'm this, this in my mind, I'm sure I'm, I was a saint, but so I go and I'm exposed to this thing called FCA. Well, end up graduating high school and uh, end up going to South Dakota State University. Again, uh, football was my idol. I was nowhere near good enough to play for the Jackrabbits, which by the way, uh, go Jacks, national champions, FCS this year. Uh, so we'll celebrate that up front. Uh, right. Pretty amazing. So couldn't play football for them, but I could swim for them. And uh, now I say that with a lot of humility. Uh, and if any of my former teammates hear this, right, you guys were amazing. But uh, what I would say is, like, I was just barely good enough to make a not very good team. Uh, we didn't win a lot of meets towards the bottom <laughs> of the conference every year. But it was an amazing experience, nonetheless. So uh, I'm coming out of the pool one day. And there's a flyer up on the, the bulletin board um, in the building where the pool was for FCA. And as a freshman, right, you're just trying to make new friends. So I think I'm going to go to FCA and that's going to be a place for me to meet more friends who are just like me, right? Athletes who, who are Christians. And I, I, I go there and, and Andy, it was amazing. That was the first time that I can recall, that I was ever around, at least for any length of time, a group of my peers who were genuinely trying to follow Jesus. And, and it just, it was, it just woke, wakes you up. Like they had this genuine worship of the Lord that I had never seen before. They had this sincere love for each other that I had never seen before. And they, they had this love for me that I had never experienced before. It, it was it, it was amazing. And, and as I think about that, if you're ever in a group that, that lives out, again, people that are just longing to follow Jesus, you're either going to run from it because it's going to freak you out, or you're going to run towards it because it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And you can just see it meeting all of those soul longings that you have that maybe you're not even aware of. And so this group of, of uh, this huddle at South Dakota State University, they end up inviting me to this collegiate retreat. Uh, college students from the eastern part of South Dakota, part of Minnesota, part of Iowa, all come together, and the gospel was shared. And, and I had heard the gospel before, but Andy, I had now seen it. And, and when they shared it, I'm like, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in. I did the, the great exchange, this idolatry of, of worshiping football, worshiping myself, and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. That's great. And uh, life hasn't been perfect since then. That was back in 2006. Uh, but all those needs were met. I knew I was loved. I knew what my purpose was. I knew I had a mission. 
Uh, I experienced the peace and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. And because of uh, that experience for myself and seeing that replicated again and again and again and again, I love the ministry of FCA. And so that, yeah, that's a big part of my, my faith story. Yeah. Well, that's phenomenal. Um, that's, that's, I, I find myself using that word quite a bit during this podcast because there's, I just find it great that there's these amazing stories, not two are the same. There's a lot of similarities. You know, that you're lost, you know, that you're, you are loved. Um, you have this Christian community come alongside you. The power of the Holy spirit is present and a conversion is made. Um, and you were going along that road for quite some time. Um, maybe it was a bumpy road. Maybe you were diverting from the true path um, to faith, but God had his hand on you and he knew what you needed in order to come to salvation. And then putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ um, through a, an entity like FCA is a, is just wonderful. And one of the reasons why we support it so much. Um, so, at this point, FCA Endurance did not exist since you were at least, if not the founder, you're one of the main founders of the ministry. So tell me a little bit about that, how FCA became FCA Endurance through what God laid on your heart. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, humbling for sure uh, to be a part of, of what God has done, um, you know, for the last, what, since 2005. So uh, I get done with, with grad school. And again, I'm all in following Jesus and I'm all in FCA. And I end up going back to the, you know, the Western uh, part of South Dakota, a young professional. And, uh, but I still had this, this competitive passion within me, which a lot of, an, a lot of team FCA endurance certainly has, right? You're high school athlete, collegiate athlete. And then, well, what do you do when you're done with school? Right? So you got to find some way to let those juices out, right? Like we're, we're wired to compete. And so uh, for me, uh, it's someone who ran track in high school and I love to run uh, high school collegiate swimmer. Uh, you know, I, I heard about the Ironman and actually ended up getting a chance to go over there in 01 and serve as part of the, uh, the world championships in Hawaii. And so if you go there, you're going to get the bug, right? So if, if you don't want to ever do an Ironman, do not go to that event. <laughs> because it will convince you that it's a good idea. So anyway, uh, I start training uh, for triathlons. And God started to use a couple of things that would eventually result in the launch of FC Endurance. Um, and and it, was, it was really two things. Number one is um, I started to feel like maybe this is getting a little bit carried away, right? Uh, all of a sudden, I'm spending more money on a bike than I ever thought I would spend on a bike. Uh, all my free time, right, is spent training. Or if I have time to look at something on the internet, I'm looking at race wheels and wetsuits, right? I'm, I'm, I'm spending money traveling to races. And, and just, I got this conviction. I'm like, okay, what, what is this about? Is this me looking for a pat on the back? Is this me looking to accomplish something else? Did I fall back into performance mentality, right? What, what's going on here? And uh, if God's not a part of this, then minimally, I'm being a really bad steward of what God has put in my hands. Maximally, like maybe I'm back into idolatry here. So I'm, I'm wrestling with that, but I'm, but I'm like, Father, I, I feel like you, you gave this to me, right? You put this passion in my heart. You created this opportunity. So I'm wrestling with that. The other thing that I'm wrestling with at the exact same time is, as a high school and a collegiate athlete, you had your team around you. And then in college, I only had my team, but I had the huddle. 
And, and I just really missed that fellowship. And so I'm just dwelling on it. Like, well, what if there's got to be more people like, like me who want to worship the Lord through endurance sports and, and who want to do it together? And, and initially I thought, well, maybe I'll just, I'll get a few buddies together and we'll talk to FCA. I was, I was involved with FCA as a volunteer and a donor and, and all these other ways that adults could be involved. I thought, I'm just going to, maybe I'll just write them and ask, hey, can I get your permission to put your logo on my race jersey? At least, if nothing else, I'll you know, be a billboard. That'll be something. And I started, well, there's got to be more than just me. And so I talked to a couple of buddies. And then we thought, well, a lot of triathletes also do running or cycling. Or so why don't we just open this whole thing up? And so I've been praying about it. Uh, finally, I'm like, okay, I got to move on this. Uh, typed up a vision paper. And I sent it to my local staff guy in Western South Dakota. He didn't know what to do with it. He's like, but sounds good. He sends it to the, at that time, it's called the home office, kind of the global support center of FC in Kansas City. Um, to one of the vice presidents, he looks at like, you know what? This is exactly part of our vision and mission to a people group that we are not intentionally or strategically ministering to. And so basically gave us a long leash and said, go get them. And, and again, as God does, he had been moving beforehand. And so there were a number of people that hopped on, uh, you know, kind of a, a makeshift board almost immediately. Uh, Stan Smith out in Washington, D.C. He had actually started a, a small pocket called Try for Christ in the D.C. area about a year before. And he heard about this and he was like, you know what, we're folding this into this. Let's go. Carl Rundell, uh, I think it was the, at the year before, the eighth fastest American in the Boston Marathon. Looking at, th there's got to be something more than Hanson Brooks racing. And so he comes in. Uh, a couple others, John Owen, Rob Jacobson, Lloyd Abramson. So we formed this board and we just we just did what whatever we, the Lord led, right? Let's figure this thing out, build some systems, go do some ministry at some races. And so that was in 2005. And uh, towards the end of that year, uh, we didn't really have titles, but uh, basically moved myself from what would have maybe been like chairman of the board, I guess, uh, to a staff member, uh, not because we needed any staff at that point, or because we had any money to pay any staff at that point. But uh, at that time, at least, uh, there were two things. Uh, number one, to be an officially recognized ministry, you need to have a staff member. <laughs> and we thought that would be valuable. And we wanted access to all of the staff resources. They had a ton, and they still do. They had these amazing staff resources. We wanted access. So we hired me, right? And so, you know, <laughs> I think at that time I was given more than I was taking, but whatever, we, we made the, the jump. And uh, God just kept blessing the ministry, blessing the ministry, and it just it took off, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So you were the first FCA endurance hire, um, and I've, 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 um, there's several people that I follow, uh, several ministers I follow, and they're, you know, action, they're action oriented people. You're one of those people who are action oriented, and God, what He does is He'll get, He'll get somebody um, who has the passion has the energy, has the crazy harebrained idea and, but doesn't have the people and he will motivate that one person to start making things happen. And that one person typically will be praying, okay, Lord, I need people to help me to support me to do this. Um, and the next thing you know, God calls those people to come alongside that leader and Next thing you know, you've got yourself the foundation of a solid ministry, and it's a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of, um, and it's it's great when one can acknowledge God's hand in your um, in your role in that. Um, so that's where when you said you know having to be humble at the same time, 
is such an important piece because it's not you. I mean, God's using you. We are, we're clay in the potter's hands and for somebody and, you know, to, to start out, you know, as a uh, self-proclaimed mediocre swimmer track, you know, runner, what have you, and then to turn your passions into something so much bigger that has affected so many people and for it to go on over, over 15 years later now, and maybe close to 20, um, is, uh, really cool. Must be great to be able to look back and reflect on that. So speaking of looking back and reflecting, I thought it'd be kind of fun since you've been around the ministry for a long time and, and we've engaged in discipleship, um, like zoom calls in the past, even like pre pandemic, because we are a in national international group. Um, one of the best ways to do that is just to reach out online. Um, but so you've been involved in a lot of these different endeavors within the ministry. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to go through some stats. So now right now I am the huddle leader of a gang of three there's including me. So we were a small, but mighty unit. Um, but you probably had some, some fairly large huddles that you have recognized or seen at work. Can you tell me, uh, what is the largest huddle that you have seen in the last, you know, since the inception of FCA endurance? Yeah. Largest ever would have been Savannah. Uh, that would have been Oh, maybe approximately 2008 to 2014. Uh, amazing stories came out of that huddle. Stephen Lee White, phenomenal. Uh, I'm so grateful for them. Their servant leadership was, uh, again, tremendous. Um, I mean, stories of they had so much amazing stuff happening where non believers were becoming a part of that huddle and joining FC Endurance. Like, they're not even, not even Christians. But they saw this cool, amazing group of people, and they just had to be a part of it. Um, so they broke into sub huddles. They're launching huddles all over Georgia. It was it was crazy. It was so good. That's really great. And so, do you think it was a result of um, like an individual's charisma, or do you, along with God being at work, or how did that huddle become so you know quote unquote successful um, in you know in the eyes of like the number of, of people involved? Yeah. Well. Certainly, Steve and I would both give God all of the credit. Um, but maybe the, the thing that I would say is, you know, it was, it was Stephen Lee White, and they basically made it their one thing. Um, certainly, they were part of an active church, so, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, they just devoted hours and hours and hours every single week, uh, found a few other leaders, and uh, that level of just commitment uh, is going to pay off. And uh, they were and they were just great servants. Yeah. Um, so that, that, so, that's what I would probably put a lot of it towards. Yeah. So they had the vision, they had the passion, they applied their time and resources into it, and they were very successful in, in spreading God's kingdom through the endurance community and not just in Savannah sounds like, but elsewhere. Um, so yeah, that's wonderful. And I know that I think Steve has since left the ministry to do pursue other endeavors that God has called them to. Is that correct? That, yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Okay. He, he was actually on staff for a short period of time after that. Uh, gotcha. Kind of middle after that. Um, and, uh, you know, few daughters, you know, uh, not not that, you know, but when, when you have children, right, priorities shift uh, necessarily. And uh, so, yeah, there were just, just, it was a season of life. Yeah, I understand. And so um, who holds the title then for the longest running huddle? Do we have a title holder for that? You know, it, so it would have been probably John and Debbie Foster with Phoenix, uh, but they just stepped away. And so I, I, I was looking at this, I'm, I'm 
a little convicted, like I should have kept better records. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna put it, there's five maybe out there that have been a long time. Uh, Tom and L.D. Gale out in Huntsville, Alabama. They've been faithful for a long time, doing great. Barry Edwards, uh, I know you've had him on, on the show uh, from New Orleans. Uh, Mark Long, Southwest Virginia. Uh, Aaron and Josh Brolin in uh, Space Coast uh, down in Florida. And uh, Troy and Robin Soares uh, out in Auburn, California. So I'm not sure which one of those is on the on the record first. I could probably dig in and find that. But uh, those those five would probably be our longest current streak. Yeah. Well, my main motivation is to get additional names so that I can get them on this podcast so that they can share their experiences and how they became successful huddle leaders. So, yeah. So that's, there you go. that's really cool. And so, yeah. So I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, being a huddle leader myself, one of the tougher things that I've had to deal with is just finding the, you know, because we are not we are not a ch the church. We are the church universal, but we are not we don't want to take away from the um, what families have going with their with their church. We're kind of a parachurch organization. We will grab people from different churches and we'll have a little a huddle or a Bible study on our own. So it's just we don't want to compete with the local church, but at the same time, we feel like we can we have some commonality and we can share unique perspectives and experiences based on our backgrounds and where we're going, not only where we've been, but where we're going. And to do it with the Lord is is what's so paramount. And you touched on that earlier, that doing this for your own glory, um, you're just spinning your wheels and you're spending a lot of money in the process. So it's definitely, um, definitely when you come to the realization that you're spending so much time and effort um, going after a, a, a passion when God could use it, it's, it's just a transforming experience and you need to leverage other people that are going in that same direction for support, encouragement, all sorts of stuff. Um, so I think I want to get into a, a personal question about you and your endurance related and efforts. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about discipleship. Sure. So, um, what is, okay, so we've all done, I mean, for me, every endurance event is hard. We make it hard, right? I mean, that's just the the goal is to barely finish, you know? Um, I don't know how people do that where you raise your hands in the air with a smile on you. If we do it, we all fake it, right? You know, if the camera's on you, you want to you wanna raise your fist or your finger to the sky and praise the Lord for that you finish, but you're also exhausted at the same time. Um, what's the hardest endurance event that you have completed? And um, what... Had, did God teach you through that, whether it was part of the training process or maybe through the race? Was there a particular, did you cramp up? Were you dehydrated? You know, was it just something you were not expecting? Were the elements uh, to the point where it was, it was brutal weather? I mean, what happened and how did God help you through that? And what did he teach you in, in that moment? Yeah. Uh, so in my endurance kind of tenure, if you will, I uh, got a chance to try a lot of different things, uh, amazing experiences, but I, I and some hard stuff. And you get the end, you're like, you're just so glad to be done, you'll smile. Uh, but hardest one by far was the Leadville 100 mountain bike race. Oh, I didn't know you did that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a bucket list item after watching Race Across the Sky. If you love yeah. cycling, especially the old cycling, you know, back with, you know, in the Lance Armstrong days, check it out. But again, you're going to watch that movie and think, you know what, maybe I'll try that. So that happened to me. I uh, got into mountain biking with that. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was as hard as it's supposed to be. That's what I'll tell you. And as I think about the, what God taught me in that, it was, it was pretty amazing. So you, you enter that race. And for those that are familiar with the race, uh, 
If you finish in under 12 hours, you're an official finisher and you get the, the coveted Leadville 100 belt buckle. Are but you wearing it now? What's that? Are you wearing it now? I'm not. I almost did. Uh, I should have probably. But uh, um, actually, it just reminded me of another story, which maybe I'll tell if we have time. But um, they, they throw this other carrot at you, though. right? So you want to finish in 12 hours, right? Get your buckle. But if you finish in nine, you get a little bigger buckle. Uh, you know, which again, just carries your pride. Right. Yeah. And so I sign up, I'm like, Oh, there's no way, no way. Right. Just finish in 12. If you're lucky, right. If you're blessed, right. Luck has nothing to do with it. If you're blessed. And so, uh, so I'm training hard, uh, through this event and, uh, I end up doing a training ride out in the Black Hills of South Dakota, hundred miles. It was certainly not anything close to Leadville, but it was, but it was mountainous, a lot of elevation. And uh, ended up with a ride that was like, you know what? Maybe I could get that nine hours. <laughs> nice. Maybe. Hey, we got, we all have goals, right? It's it's, it's, it's a good idea, yeah, exactly. maybe. But pride is a slippery hard thing. Oh yeah. And so, so I just want that's a precursor. So let me share this though. So as, as I'm doing the race, uh, I ended up probably one of the main reasons I got in the race to start with because it's a lottery. Um, is we actually had a team from FCA Endurance competing together. So John Foster, a uh, beloved brother from Phoenix, and then two brothers uh, from here in the Sioux Falls area, Joe Stiller, Ryan Stingle. And we basically spent a year training together. And I was meeting with Ryan weekly, uh, kind of some discipleship opportunities. And so we get to the start of the race. And uh, Joe and I and, and Ryan were in the same uh, starting corral. And unfortunately, John was one behind us. So we didn't get to really see him much during the race. But, you know, as we're going into this thing, there's kind of this mutual agreement. Hey, the race is a really long race. So just see how things go, right? Do your best. Worship the Lord. We'll see you when it's done. And so we're going out and, uh, and I, I'm starting, I'm starting to compete. I'm like that, that nine hour buckle just in my head. And so probably 15 miles in for the first 10, like you're so boxed in, you can't do anything. Uh, but eventually it loosens up and uh, you start going and it's an out and back course. And there's a massive climb right before the turnaround. And so get to the top and I'm on the bubble. I'm feeling good and I'm on the bubble. And you can negative split this thing if you're, if you're fit enough because you've got this massive downhill. And so I'm flying down this downhill and I see uh, Joe and Ryan and I've, I've probably got a couple minutes on them. <laughs> Get to the bottom and uh, again, riding and, and about mile 65, the wheels start coming off, right? Part of it's nutrition. I just didn't have it dialed in probably well enough. Part of it is, well, you're racing level 100 and you don't know how your body's going to respond to that till you do it. Uh, part of it is it's a little hotter than it's supposed to be. And so it becomes this suffer limp fest until you get the power line. And so that's the iconic part of the race. And so uh, power line, three and a half miles long, over 7% grade. It's brutal. Part, the bottom part's a little technical. So I'm going up that and I get about maybe, maybe a fourth of the way in and I have to stop. That has never happened to me before. Every other race I've been in, right? If, if it's too hard, you just slow down. But there's, there, there's no, like, there's no slowing down other than stopping. And so you, you take four or five steps and then you rest for 20 seconds. And you take four or five steps 
and you rest for 20 seconds. And now your brain's doing the math. Okay, so I'm covering, you know, 20 steps, you know, uh, every minute. Like, I may not finish this thing, right? So it's, it's crazy. So I'm, I'm just, it's brutal, just suffering. And after doing that for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, all of a sudden I hear a couple voices. And I turn around and there's Joe and Ryan. And some point between when I passed them on the downhill and, and that point, they, they found each other and they come up and we do a little bit of this, you know, I'm suffering. I probably looked like I was dead. Um, you know, they kind of come past me. I encourage them the best I can. We do this back and forth thing a little bit. And then finally, Joe just says, Hey, you know what? Let's just finish this thing together. Right. We've been training for a year. I'm like, okay, hey, that, that's a good plan. But two things. Number one, uh, we just have to be patient, right? Because I don't know how long this is going to take, right? If you really want to wait for me. And number two, we got to pray. So we circle up the three of us on the middle of, of power line, pray it up. That might've been one of the first or second time I've ever heard Ryan pray. Um, but we were all seeking the Lord. <laughs> I can oh, tell man. you for sure. And so it, it, long story short, we end up finishing uh, together. And through that next you know, 15 miles, there was a segment where Joe was suffering. It was the same where Ryan was suffering. And interesting enough, shortly after that, I got my, I was back. I felt strong for the rest of that race. Here's the part, Andy, that kicked my butt. I get done with the race and we've got this great photo finish, all three of us. And I'm just reflecting on it a couple of days later. And I'm thinking, so I finished in, I don't know, like 10 and a half. I wonder what I could have finished in. You know, if I could have just, if I weren't, if I weren't, you know, kind of waiting for Joe and Ryan. In those last 15 months. I wonder, I wonder if I could have broke 10. Pride. Like, when am I going to stop being with pride, Andy? I don't know. Uh, and, and it was almost like the Lord just slapped me upside the head. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, listen, Chris, you weren't there for that race. I had no choice but to cause you to stop. Because it was all about those brothers. Yeah. And, uh, and it was amazing. And it's interesting enough, you know, again, this whole pride thing, we talked about that buckle and it was, it, it might've been 10 days later. I, I pulled that buckle out and you know what I saw on there? It had already started to tarnish. Oh, no kidding. <clears throat> it's a beautiful buckle. Yeah. Oh but yeah. It just, oh, it's temporary. <clears throat> right. Oh. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, that's a, there's several lessons there. Right. I mean, you, you know, First of all, it's a blessing to have somebody like that, a couple of people to train for such an event. So like you have your brothers in arms with you going through the the torture of training and then to fate, not have to face that giant alone. Right. So you you have the option to go it alone if you want to, but you could end up and, you know, finishing alone when the joy of finishing with your brothers is so much better. And in retrospect and looking down through history, it's always better to enjoy victories, even if they're not like the victory with friends. And so especially brothers in Christ, man, I mean, that's, that's a great opportunity. And Leadville is, you know, that is a, an icon of, uh, of an event. Um, Trent, who was a huddle leader here, he did it twice. First time he did not make it second time he did. Um, so he had his own little, a personal uh, struggle with that. He was not with friends, I think as he had his family there, maybe his wife, I think they waited at the top, maybe at the halfway point or what have you. So you have the ability to see a little bit of the race if you are a spectator. But yeah, to yeah, and and for your belt buckle, your award for it to fade away so quickly, 
when the memories you have of finishing with your brothers and and racing with Christ uh, and for Christ is is definitely what we should be racing for. But yeah, no, you're right. Pride sneaks up, and it's right before the fall, and um, and 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 we're all tempted with it. Well, that's that's an amazing story about an amazing race. Um, and yeah, I remember actually Trent got on that the the race across the sky. He was in the video. Um, and it appeared as though he was sitting down because they were just talking about how torturing the race was. And he was seated and his bike was next to him. And he ended up getting up and and I think he was in an FCA endurance jersey, which is awesome. And he got up and he started to press on and the, the crowd was just cheering in the movie theater where we watched it. It was really fun to see. So yeah, it's an epic, um, it's an epic race that you got to share the experience with a couple of brothers. And that kind of leads me into my next question, Chris. And that is, so we, I believe that we both believe that endurance sports, otherwise we wouldn't be in this ministry provides an effective like strategy to help others grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. Do you think it's because there's a lot of parallels between what we do as a sport and the walk with Christ, or how do you feel it's an effective strategy to help others grow? Yeah, well, certainly there are a number of parallels, right? Uh, You know, for most people, you know, life is a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. And so that is true. Certainly there's plenty of of, uh, parts of scripture that could kind of speak into that. But I would say, generally speaking, uh, ministry is relationship dependent, and relationships are time dependent. And so I, I think from a ministry perspective, certainly in the Western world, which is what we're most familiar with, uh, for most people, there's maybe three buckets where those relationships can really be fostered over time. Uh, number one is your family, right? If you live in the same house as somebody, uh, there's going to be some time, there's going to be some relationship, there's going to be a chance to minister and discipleship in there. Uh, number two would be uh, your career. Again, assuming if you're working and if you're working a full-time job, 40 hours a week for weeks on end, right? There's going to be an opportunity in most cases to really get to know some coworkers. Again, there's time, time to just do some life together, hopefully reflect Christ, have some ministry opportunities. And the third one is going to be what, what I'll just call affinity groups, right? These, these where you've got this, um, this passion that is shared by another group. And it could be, hey, whether you love doing quilts together, you love riding Harley Davidson's, or you love running. And so when we think about endurance, there's this massive potential to spend a lot of time with people. Certainly if you're training partners, um, but certainly even social media, race events. And so number one, you, you, there's a time component where you get to spend with people. The second thing is there's a credibility component. And so as we think about it, uh, we tend to give credibility to those who can help us reach our goals. And that could be a, a training partner. That could be somebody who's maybe just a little bit faster than you. And you feel like, you know what, they can help me finish or they can help me get a little faster or whatever it is. It creates this credibility opportunity. And it's fascinating. One of the things I love about FCA Endurance is, uh, well, there's absolutely a place for Heather Gallman. You know, uh, pro Ironman champion to minister. Uh, the opportunity is almost as great for someone who's going to go walk a 5K with another person who this is their first 5K. And there's a common uh, experience. There's credibility because of, of that. And there's time. And those things, uh, 
just create a, a, an amazing opportunity. And so my my heart, you know, as we look at endurance athletes is if God has called you to the sport or minimally, if he's at least allowing you to do it, there's a missional purpose for it. Uh, steward that time. well, Right. And that touches on a lot of points too. Um, FCA endurance makes it super easy to be known as a believer, even beyond your character. Um, there are some great kits running cycling kits out there. Um, there's some great casual wear out there and it's not like, it's not, it's not to the point. What, what makes it easy is you can then look for people who are looking for you. Right. And it makes it easy to bring up conversations with every new uh, piece of apparel, water bottle I get. Um, I'll get a compliment and I know that they're amenable to a conversation either then or in the future. Um, it's particularly in triathlon. You've got three additional groups of people who you wouldn't ordinarily run shoulders with. I can't remember what minister it was from the past. Well, you know, it's basically biblical, you know, God has ordained essentially three spheres, your family being number one, right? The church being another one and even government being one that he has ordained. Then you have these other areas out here where it's just go and disciple the nations, right? And so that can be all of those groups that you mentioned and the amount of time that you put into each one of those endeavors, those sports can be directly linked to the amount of time should you be spending it with other people in those training environments ministering or just, you know, getting to know each other. And through these podcasts, I've learned from other FCA endurance um, uh, members that, you know, you, you got to get to know people and to get to know people and build a trusting relationship is how you are able to have these harder conversations about spiritual things. Um, and if they shut you down, then you can still become, still be friends and always be there for them. But if you are, if they're receptive to the gospel and you're able to lead them to the Lord. That is what God has has you here for that, and to grow in His, um, in His Word, and to learn more about Him and to worship Him. So, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree 100 percent with, um, with with what you have said, um, and and teaching people to grow. And then you pluck them essentially. You don't pluck them out of that environment, but then you include them in you know your Bible study or your huddle. Um, and then that group is, then they are united. The cyclists are united with the swimmers who are united with the runners who are united with the triathletes who may not have known each other before. And so, yeah, it's, it's just a wonderful way to build God's kingdom through a unique niche. Um, and it's great, exciting to see you fill that. Um, and so I know that you have, you are, you have, can't say, I want to want to say professionally discipled people, right? But you have I, taken people. You get paid by FCA, I guess. Well, well, that's true. I guess it is your profession. So you have that, you definitely have that um, component, right? So, okay. So you are paid to disciple people. Um, but it's also the joy that's in your heart that motivates you to do that. So you have foundational questions that you like to cover with somebody as you disciple them. And this is going to tie into my final question too, uh, probably about the younger, not, not that you just, not that you simply disciple a younger generation, but that's kind of like where my heart has been lately is this younger generation, but you're, you can, you can disciple anybody of any age, but what are the fine five foundational questions that you cover as you disciple somebody? Yeah. Uh, glad to share that. And, um, this has been probably just a couple of years, again, as I said, both adults and, and student leaders, just trying to help them understand kind of some baseline principles 
in terms of following Jesus. And so I, I feel like there are five questions. There's maybe more, right? This is maybe not exhaustive. This is my list. Maybe it's helpful for somebody that can help a Christ follower understand how to navigate this one life that they have. And the goal is to help, again, these whoever I'm talking to answer these five questions, not from what the world would say, uh, not from what a person would decide, right? You or somebody else. I mean, my, my opinion certainly doesn't matter. Um, but what does God actually say about this? And then the invitation is, is if, if God says this, for you to agree with him, right? And that even, you think about the word repent. Well, repent in the Greek simply means change your mind. Well, change your mind about what? Well, about everything. Just agree with God. Um, and, you know, stop being stubborn. Anyway, so the, the five questions. Uh, question number one is, who am I? Right? I, I, I think, again, look back to my time as a high school student. Those, those identity questions, even uh, within FC Endurance, very, very commonly, you ask someone, you know, what do you do? What do you love? Who are you? And their mind instantly, I'm a triathlete. I'm a runner. And again, I'm certainly not going to argue with anybody about that, but the encouragement is always to be like, God has given you a gift to run. Maybe he's given you a very purposeful mission to run, but you are so much more than a runner. And to really answer that question uh, from a rooted perspective, who are you? Well, the Bible says, if you're following Jesus, if you've been forgiven, you're a child of God. And to really own that, to understand what that means uh, the privileges and responsibilities, the beauty uh, of it, the miracle of that, right? To be a child of the king uh, is phenomenal. Is, uh, it's just, it's awesome. So, uh, so number one, who am I? Uh, they need to know who they are. The second thing, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And again, maybe it could be a little more nuanced than that, but I, th I think if you really read through scripture, uh, the answer is, we're here to glorify the Lord. Now that looks like a lot of different things in a lot of different environments, situations, circumstances, etc. But that is why we're here. Uh, we are here to glorify the Lord. Uh, number three, what is my mission? Right? What am I supposed to be doing? And uh, again, it's maybe a little bit more nuanced. But if we're just trying to give them simple answers, uh, our mission is to make disciples. Again, Matthew twenty-eight. Right? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded with you, commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age, right? Making disciples as you go run, as you go to the store, as you go to church, as you work, whatever it is. And so what is my mission? What am I supposed to be doing? Making disciples. Uh, question four. How do I accomplish that mission? Like, how do I do that? And uh, the simple answer, follow Jesus. Follow him to the degree where, where, where you think like he thinks. You say the things that he said. You do the things that he did. You become more and more like him every day. If you want to make disciples, that's it. The words and the ways of Jesus, that's the key. Uh, we don't need, you know, I'm, I'm a slow adopter in things, right? Uh, and I'm okay being a little bit creative, but at the end of the day, God gave us the roadmap. He gave us the plan. Just follow Jesus. Uh, and so then, the, then the last question, question number five, is what does God expect of me? Uh, I think that's a pretty important question. Uh, at some point, uh, we're going to want to know the answer to that. And, uh, and again, I think if we're just trying to keep things really simple, uh, he expects faithfulness. 
right? To steward your life according to his plan. Uh, you know, we, we think about that, uh, the parable of, of the talents, you know, you get done and to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, come enter the joy of your master. We all want to hear that. And so faithfulness. And so uh, again, we, we dig into scripture and we, obviously there's a lot of places to go, but I think those are five fundamental, just foundational questions that I try to help um, whether they've been following Jesus for a long time and they've never really simplified it like that, or if they're brand new, um, to try to give them just a baseline about where do we go from here. Yeah. Um, I really like those. Um, to boil down the gospel and the purpose into those five key points, I think is crucial, particularly in these crazy times where question number one, people don't even know the answer to who am I? They, it's so countercultural to say that you are a child of God and point them to the Lord Jesus Christ when they don't even know um, the most basic fundamental um, components of their being. Why they're and then of course why they're here. What is their purpose? If you don't get question number one right, then the rest of those five questions that they almost don't even matter. I mean, they matter, but if you don't have your foundations right that you you matter, then um, you you have a lot of work to do, and we have a lot of work to do in this culture, I believe. Um, and that's why my heart is just so drawn towards the younger generation because I've got kids now who are grown there in college. Um, but I see the kids going, growing up behind them, and they have been introduced to a whole new set of challenges that question everything. There's no longer the foundation, um, the Christian foundation in you know in society to of the point where you don't you know you don't have the basis of morality or ethics. It's you know it's it's more relative than it ever was before. And how do you navigate and surf through those? Um, those challenging times going to school and, and um, or, you know, in, and working through society um, when you're not even sure who you are. Um, so, yeah, I, I really find those five foundational questions to be key for anybody of any believers, you know, however far along they believe that they are in their faith to review those five. It might end up even becoming a practice that I do just at least weekly to review those questions and to say, you know, how am I serving the Lord today? How is it better than what I did yesterday? How has it changed? Um, can I change the way that I serve with the way with the the you know the environment that's changing with where God has has placed us? So yeah, I think that's a great way to kind of summarize um, a, a discipleship type of environment. Um, and particularly with the younger generation, like I said. So um, we do need to wrap up, Chris. And I think that my final question kind of folds into, uh, well, this actually isn't my final question. I got one after this. But um, the question of how, what advice do you have for the younger generation? And this doesn't necessarily have to be the younger athletic generation, um, you know, the, the generation of endurance athletes. Um, it just so happens that in my family, we've got a couple of those and their friends are all going to probably continue their athletic endeavors beyond college in the arena of endurance. So that's where I, my focus is as well, just for that generation and generations to come. But what do you have, what advice might you have for the younger generation? Yeah, that's such a, a, a big question. And I thought about that for a few minutes. Thanks for giving me that question ahead of time. So I didn't have to think of that in the moment. Um, and uh, maybe I boil, boil it down to four things. 
uh, at least for today. Uh, the first one, uh, just to, to be disciplined in protecting yourself from noise. Um, even as you mentioned, even those five questions, right? If you, if you don't think about that intentionally, right? If you're not spending time in God's word, if you're not spending time in prayer, if you're not remembering that, you'll forget who you are, right? You'll, you'll, you'll slip into some role identity. Um, you'll forget why you're here. You'll forget what your mission is, right? So it, it, all this noise, right? You know, these phones, right? They can be such a blessing and man, they can be a massive distraction. So the first thing I would say is just, just be disciplined in protecting yourself from noise. All of these worldly messages, sometimes even Christian messages, right? Is there, there's, there's just too much noise. You've got to prayerfully create space. And I would say daily, just to get quiet and hear from the Lord, hear from him through his word, hear through him from him through prayer, even just sitting and reflecting about who he is um, and just listening, um, just to create some space to hear. I, I think that's really, really important. Um, and, and that's not getting easier for, for anybody, uh, adults or kids. And so uh, that's number one. Uh, number two is um, to the best of your ability, be confident in what the Lord is asking you to do. Right. Because if you don't know what he's asking you to do, then you can't be obedient. Right. You're going to end up like this whole idea of I'm supposed to be faithful, but I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. So, again, you've got to reflect on those questions enough where you can have some confidence. Right? You've, you've created daily time, at least hopefully to listen enough where you can have some clarity about what you're supposed to be doing. And, and one of the beautiful things about that is that if you know what you're supposed to be doing, then you also know what you're not supposed to be doing. So then you can say no. With confidence, unapologetically, respectfully, kindly, but you can just say no to a lot of stuff. You know, people are, again, all that noise, a lot of extra stress just comes from people doing things that God never asked them to do. And so try to listen so that you can be confident in what the Lord's asking you to do. It creates focus, reduces stress, all, all of these really, really good things. Number three, what I would say is be aggressive in finding spiritual mentors who will walk with you and help you grow. Find people who will disciple you. You know, I, I think about my journey and uh, as an SDSU student, right? Rob Jacobson, Jeremy Gustafson, they walked alongside, they helped me grow a ton in those early years. And they weren't, I mean, they were maybe, I don't know, two or three years older than me, but they had just, they had enough experience. They were far enough ahead of me where they could invest in me. I think about uh, my early FCA days, uh, Lincoln Murdoch, Dan Britton, walking alongside me. Uh, shepherding me as a, as a as a new staff person, uh, a young leader, and and helping me grow in those ways. Later, uh, Dick Snyder, uh, Dan Perkins, right, uh, some significant investments in me, and there were others, but those were maybe some key ones. And I'll, but I'll tell you this: with the exception of Rob and Gus, none of them came to me and said, "Hey, Chris, I see you're, you're somebody who could probably use some help. I've got a lot of things to offer you, so could I just help you?" Right. It required me to recognize, man, I've got a long way to go and I need I need men who are who know stuff. Right. I mean, Lincoln, Lincoln knows stuff. I mean, I'm not sure. I think he invented the wheel and discovered fire. Um, he's been on Earth so long. And so he can teach me stuff. And, uh, and I tried to learn. Uh, anyway, I love Lincoln. Uh, he, he was so impactful in our ministry uh, in a lot of ways. But anyway, so. Uh, Kind of that was a distraction. Sorry, Link, I got to get one of those in uh, if I can. But just be aggressive. Go find those people. 
because there are men out there or, or, or women, if you're a girl, who they've got a heart to serve. They, 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 they would be honored and blessed to walk with you intentionally. So anyway, so number three, be aggressive in finding those mentors who will walk with you. And then uh, the last one that I would say, be willing to take some risks for your faith, right? The world, sometimes churches, sometimes ourself, right? They're, they're constantly pushing us into staying comfortable. And I would just echo that biblical charge. Be courageous, be strong and very courageous. Right. And then that might mean sharing your faith. That might mean uh, discipling others, helping another brother or sister learn or grow or helping hold them accountable, like in a loving, gentle way. Uh, saying no to sin. Right. Even popular sin. And so don't be afraid to take some risks to, to really be a radical follower of Jesus. And so those maybe be the four things that, that I might put out there to a, a young person today. Yeah, no, and a couple um, thoughts on that, uh, Chris. You mentioned, you know, seeking out these mentors. One of the challenges of that is it's so much easier just to subscribe to a podcast, but you're only getting one directional advice that way, right? I mean, you can listen to somebody all day long, but if they're not listening to you and if you're not bouncing ideas off of them, then it's there's only so far that, you know, that even a Christian can go in order to fulfill, you know, like R.C. Sproul, I mean, you can listen to all the, the sermons he's ever written and they can be edifying, but you need somebody who can be there with you walking alongside you. And then the second thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about these points is the distractions and, and being prayerful about what direction you should take. And it kind of reminded me of, so this, you know, this podcast was one of those things, right? I mean, there's plenty of other things you and I could be doing right now, but is this, this feels to us like this is something that would benefit not just our us and our personal growth, but the ministry and God's glorification here on earth. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, once you have an endeavor in mind and it's ticking all these boxes and you're praying about it and you have this great idea and you be bold and you want to move forward with it, God will bring the resources to make it happen. And so, yeah, um, I love those uh, those thoughts that you have for the younger generation. I think they can apply to just about any generation too, right? But particularly for the young, right? I mean, even the old people like Lincoln um, could probably benefit from that. He's going to have a hard time finding someone further down the road than him, though. No, that's true. That's true. He can only look back <laughs> at the younger generation because there is no older generation. I'm just uh, kidding. No, I've, I've only talked to Lincoln a couple of times, but he seems like a wonderful guy. And I can see how you could benefit a lot from having a relationship like that with him. Yeah. Phenomenal. Tremendous. I'm, I can't thank him enough. Yeah. I love him dearly. Um, and yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Well, thank you for your heart, Chris. And thank you for starting this ministry up. Without it, we would not be having this conversation, nor would we have hundreds of others that have taken place as a result of the conversations that are brought about through this ministry. Um, it's made it easy to have these conversations and to glorify God in an endeavor that we love to participate in, thanks to his um, putting it on our hearts. So thank you so much. How can people reach you if they wanted to get a hold of you? Are you on Strava? So what sort of social media outlets can people find you? Yeah, I, I am massively inconsistent on social media. I'll say that right up front. I go in streaks. Uh, part of me, again, trying to protect myself from noise. And then I feel guilty, like oh, I'm missing an opportunity to shine some light into what it is way too often kind of a dark, divisive, kind of self-edifying place. Uh, so, but I am there. Uh, if you want, uh, on Facebook, disciple.chris.anderson. Um, 
you can get uh, subscribed to, you know, I put on a ministry update a couple times a year and you can subscribe through northlandfca.org slash grow the team. I uh, just in my current role with FCA and uh, you know, maybe the best way, if there's something directly, just feel free to email me, C Anderson at fca.org. Phenomenal. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for your time. It's been a real blessing. Thank you for providing the information where people can get a hold of you. If they have any more questions, all this information will be in the show notes. So if you uh, didn't get a chance to jot that down, take a look at the podcast notes and you'll find everything there. Thank you again, Chris. It's been a real pleasure. God bless you. Yeah. Honor. Thank you so much for your faithful ministry. Uh, Andy, again, I've been blessed to be in this role, but it, it is what it is because it, it just, it created an on-ramp for people who love uh, endurance sports and they love Jesus and they want to make disciples to go and do what God's called them to. And so, man, you're a critical part Amen. of that. So Amen. thank you. Amen. Thanks buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Blessings. 